it is our God. Judging to Nashville with uh, some of her friends, she left on Thursday evening, and I told her after uh, Friday morning of getting all three kids up and getting them off to school and all this stuff, I had to take the littles over to drive to CJ to school and bring them back and everything. I said, this, this single parent stuff is for the birds, <laughs> but you're not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> But it really gives you a, uh, an appreciation for those that have to do that all the time. Aren't you glad that he promised he'll be a father to the fatherless? He didn't say anything about mother to the motherless, though. So that's where we are this weekend. We're motherless. <laughs> you turn to the book of Amos with me. They uh, may or may not be a familiar book to you. It was... Um, there's some familiar phrases that are going to come out today that you may or may not have known were located in the book of Amos, but it's a, uh, a, a shorter book, a prophet, maybe may or not well known like the Ezekiel, Isaiah, you know, those that are the major prophets as it were, but he had some words that I wanted to share with you and some thoughts that uh, I feel are important, and the timing of it was perfect. As you're well aware, when I speak on the first Sunday of the month, the Lord begins to speak to me many times six, seven weeks earlier than um, when I actually speak. And, and a lot of times in preparation for, for example, October, the Lord will drop something in my heart for something for November and, and conversely and so forth. And, and the Lord dropped this into my heart a long time ago, probably six or seven weeks as I mentioned, and I didn't even think about the timing of it. And you'll see now that the Lord does all things well. All things well. Even in our Bible study on this past Wednesday, which I am going to allude to later, the timing of it was perfect for the season that we are in. But I want to tell you a little bit about Amos before we go on. Uh, as I mentioned, he is uh, one of the, what's considered a minor prophet, but his word doesn't minimize his words by any means, but it just basically is referring to the fact that it is shorter in length and, and so forth. But as we see here, during this time and in his life, there, the major theme of the book of Amos, just so you know, is justice. That the Lord's justice would reign and move and be wrought in the earth. And so that was what Amos was really tasked to, the message for him to bring was justice. There was a lot of wickedness and evil that was going on during this time, and a, lot, and a great deal of injustice. Hence the reason why the Lord spoke to him about this. But Amos, as a man, prior to his prophetic ministry, by trade, he was a sheep herder. And there were three types of sheep herders during this time. There were the rich who had a lot of sheep. They didn't even get their hands dirty at all. They would just pay a guy, like, similar to Amos, but Amos is a little different situation. Amos is the middle guy. But the rich guys, they would come and they would hire someone to be the sheep herder. The guy that came in, he was a hired hand. He didn't own anything. He didn't own the land. He didn't own the sheep. He just came in, did his job, and went home. That's what they did. So that was the first part. The first, the rich guys, once again, these guys had huge herds, never got their hands dirty. The second group of people, like Amos, he was, he owned his sheep, but he had no land in which to graze them upon. So he was in a tough spot. You know, with sheep, you kind of need to feed them. So he didn't have a huge pasture in which he could keep them. 
And so he had to do something else, and we'll get to that, what it was that he had to do. And then the last group were the guys that were actually hired in by the rich guys. They owned nothing. They barely even at times had a, enough house to house themselves, much less a place to keep their sheep. So Amos, as we see here, though, is in that middle group. And so he would, as it were, in his job, he would have to get like a second job. He would moonlight, is what we call it these days. Anybody ever had to moonlight in their lives because maybe the job that you had didn't make ends meet? Well, this is what Amos is doing, okay? And so how he moonlighted, but he was smart. So what he would do is he would approach the guys that had the, not only the pasture, but also those that had these special trees. And in these trees were figs. Now, they weren't fig trees. They were a, a different type of tree where the, the fig was a little smaller and it was actually kind of bitter. And there was something that was special about these figs that had to be done, which is really strange to me, the Lord that would design it like this. But in order for these, this fruit to reach the fullness of all that it had, listen to me now, in order for it to reach its potential and the full sweetness that the Lord designed, it had to be pierced. So he would sit up in a tree, and while these, this fruit was still connected to the tree, they would take a sharp object, and he would grab that little thing, and he would poke a hole in the bottom of it. And only then would they be able to reach the fullness of what the Lord designed them for the, to taste. Otherwise, they were really bitter. <laughs> Are you hearing me today? So what he would do, Amos, he was smart. He'd say, all these sheep that i got to feed, i got to be able to sell them, they have to grow, and they have to, I have to be able to use uh, all that the Lord's designed them to be, for not only for food, but also for their wool. And so, uh, but I have to have a place to, to graze them. So what he would do is he would approach these guys that had these trees, and as long as, with a pasture, so he would have his sheep, they would be grazing for free, because he's getting paid to pierce this fruit. So he's sitting up in the limbs, piercing the fruit, feeding his sheep for free. Pretty smart. Great, great job on his moonlight, yes? So he was basically, he was double dipping, but able to take care of both things at the same time. But I want you to think about that with this fruit. Left to itself was very bitter. But once it was pierced, then it was sweet. You see, when Jesus came, he came to die. That was our plan A. We mentioned that all the time. It wasn't plan B that, oh, man, God didn't wring his hands up in heaven and say, oh, man, sin, what am I going to do now? Uh, I, guess I, I guess I'll send my son. No, it was plan A from the very beginning. He, from the foundations of the world, it says that he was slain. He was a lamb slain before the foundations. So we know that his purposing was to come to provide a way, just like we sang today, so that he would be pierced, provide a way that veil would be rent so that all of us could gain access to his throne. But unless he had been pierced, unless Jesus had come and fulfilled his purpose, he would have just been another man that we read about that had good words. But he fulfilled his purpose. Even when it was, he sat in the garden and he wept. And he said, Lord, take this cup from me. That's King James that basically today we would say, do I really have to do this? Are you sure about this one? Was this really the plan that we had? 
can we take it back a second? And, and, and is there any other way that we could possibly allow people to gain access and, and really have full communion with us? Are you sure that, that I really have to go through all this? Because remember, he was all God and all man. He was still omniscient when he confined himself to a body. So he knew what was going to happen in the days to come. But he immediately said, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, I understand what all is involved here, and it's going to be brutal. But for you, I'll do it. You look down through the span of time and saw you here today, Josh. So this fruit had to be pierced in order to mature. And we have to be pierced and broken and allow the Lord to, to work in our own lives in order to reach the full potential of all he has for us. Fully ripened, fully mature in him. Thank you, Lord. Now there's justice. The injustice that was taking place where there was a, quite a bit of prosperity that was occurring in the land these days. And the rich started saying, you know what? My house isn't big enough. My land is not big enough. I'm going to expand. But I can't really expand because this little farmer over here, this guy who has barely two nickels to rub together, two denarii, he's over here and he, he's blocking me. You know, I'm landlocked because of him. You know what? I don't care. I'm taking his land. They were doing this all over the place. They were expanding their land without any right, without buying it from them. They just said, you know what? If they had a fence, let's just pretend for a second they had a fence. They said, you know what? I'm moving my fence over here, and this is now mine. This is now mine. So the people, and what could the, the poor people do? Hire a lawyer? Okay, yeah, that's going to work out. They don't even have anything to, to do that with. So they just got pushed out, shoved into the corner. And this was happening all over the place. So there was a great injustice that was occurring throughout all the land, and so Amos came to speak against that. The thing about this land is, these were, this had been passed down for generations. This is all they had, in many cases. So this was a big deal. This wasn't just something, you know, they had a, a house that they bought two years ago, and it's like, ah, whatever, I'll move somewhere else. This has been in the family for years and years. Very common during this time, was a dissatisfaction with leadership. And because of this, there was a great deal of unrest. Does that sound familiar? There was an injustice that was going on by those that were in power. And there was a great deal of unrest and distrust for those in leadership. And Amos came to call those leaders to repentance. We'll see what happens. We're going to quickly go through this because I am specifically instructed to do something at the end. We will not be long today. Chapters 1 and 2, we see the Lord details the judgment that's going to come to these nations because of their disobedience and because of the evil things that they were doing, the injustices. But I want you to jump to chapter 3 and verse 3 in the book of Amos. 
And Amos has these powerful phrases that he drops throughout the next six chapters, and the themes throughout them are, are amazingly applicable to today. In verse 3, we see in the book of, of Amos, chapter 3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? You think of a yoke of oxen, right? You've seen those, whether in a picture or in an old, uh, old farmhouse, whatever we went to. There's a place in Northville, I don't even know what it's called, but um, it's got all kinds of old farm stuff, right? And stuff that people are willing to pay a lot of money for these days because they love that look, the retro look or the repurposed stuff, where there was a yoke there. It was awesome. And I looked at it, and I go to the lady, I was like, how much is that? And she's like, it's not for sale. <laughs> but I looked at it, it was the first time I'd really seen a yoke in person. I've only seen pictures of it, of course, but it was the first time I'd ever seen one in person. And it was really cool, but it was, it was this wood piece, and it, had, it went all the way around. It had two, basically, ovals in it, and they were connected. And you would take your, your uh, mules or your oxen, the oxen one was big, this one was for a mule, or horses even, and they would stick their heads through there, and they'd let rest on their shoulders. And that's why it talks about my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's where that, that uh, symbolism comes from. But anyways, they would take them, and they would, they would put them in there, and then they would work together. Being in a yoke, you cannot go in different directions. I can't go this way and the other one go this way, right? So that's why when we are married, we are yoked together in a bond of marriage and love, right? We are going together in the same direction. The key is, or hope is, that one of us is not leading the other into the wrong direction because it's very possible. So they are yoked together. And so this is talking about can two be united can they walk together unless they agree? So I would ask you the question, with whom are you finding agreement? If you find yourself walking down a path that may not necessarily be glorifying the Lord, I might look to the right or the left, whichever side you're on, and see who you're yoked to. Because you don't have to be married to be yoked. You can be yoked to your friends. You can be yoked to your co-workers. Those that are you're allowing to influence your words, your thoughts, your actions, your walk, those are who you are yoked to. And unfortunately, sometimes we tend to stick our head through this yoke Monday through Saturday, and on Sunday we come on over here and then we stick our head through this one. Pretty soon you get tired of doing the shuffle and say, ah, forget that one on the left. You're right. I'm just going to stick over here. It's a lot easier. Because they don't really, you know, encourage me to go in the direction I need to. Sometimes when I'm fighting over here, that yoke starts to weigh heavy on my shoulders. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? We have to be careful to whom we unite ourselves. We need to be in the world and a light to it, but not of the world. If we find ourselves in agreement with darkness, what does that say about our light? Flip over to Amos 4. During this time, as you see, and I would encourage you to read this, a very short chapter, 
or book, excuse me. I would encourage you to read it, so I'll just highlight some things here. But in, the, in chapter 4, the Lord gave the people several opportunities to repent. Yet they refused to surrender to his will and his direction. And I think about how many times do we do the same thing? The Lord has provided us opportunities to turn from our wicked ways, yet we choose to ignore that conviction. And the end thereof leads to death. Man, it may not be your physical death, but there is a portion of you that is dying when we're living in, agree in agreement with sin. We continue in our lethargy and refuse to submit to the will of God that we know is better for us. That's the crazy thing about it. We know what is right. To him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. We know what to do. And if we willfully choose not to do it, there's no way, other way to color it or to frame it, or whatever you want to say, it's sin. We see in Amos 5, there's a call to repentance for Israel. He says, Seek the Lord and live. Hate evil, love good, and establish justice. Do not desire the day of the Lord, for it will be a terrible thing for those walking in unrighteousness. Amos is clearly painting out to them. Here's what you need to do. Love good and hate evil. Period. It's pretty simple. Just like I said, what was it? 18 years ago. Got back from my honeymoon. This young man asked me, so, so how's married life treating you? And I've told this story before. How's married life treating you? After being married like 10 days, you know. And I said, you know what? I had it all figured out. I said, marriage, marriage is easy. All you have to do is, every single day, is I put her needs over mine. And every day, she puts hers. She puts mine over hers. <laughs> Let me say that again. I put... Her needs over mine, and she puts mine over hers, right? So we're constantly thinking of each other. The problem is, you just don't feel like doing it. Sometimes it's just like, you know what? I know that this is going to cause a problem, but I don't care. And later on, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. It's not really fair. She's not here to even defend herself, right? I had it figured out. But it's just like this. We know to do good, yet sometimes we just don't feel like it. And there's the problem, that feel word. This isn't about your feelings. We don't serve the Lord because we feel like it. We don't do the things that are, are follow righteousness with all that we have because we feel that is a good thing to do. Because here's going to be the thing. Your feelings will disappoint you. Your feelings will, every single time, will fail. Your feelings are going to lead you to a path that is of destruction. But we serve the Lord because we love him. We choose 
to love him on a daily basis. And we choose to die to ourselves. That is a choice. It's not a feeling. Chapter 6. I thought about this verse. One for probably two weeks. And I couldn't get past it. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. You know what that means? Zion represents the church, the mountain of the Lord. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. I wanted to get a hammock and bring it in here today, but I don't have one. But this is what we look like when we're at ease in Zion. We may not outwardly be doing this. I'm in church, and I'm just kind of on the inside, laying back, and be done yet. Donut Sunday, I guess I'll come that week. I'll even be early that week, that's right. Because if I'm not early, I don't get my favorite bagel. They have coffee that day, too, so that's always good. Yes, I could make it that time. I'll just, uh, maybe I'll even come a little bit late. Hopefully Pastor Clark's done shouting in that microphone and singing so loud, it's really annoying sometimes. He just bawls all the time on a big old baby. But I'm at church, so everybody thinks I'm holy. Except on the inside, on the outside, woo, thank you, Jesus. Got my suit on, I look good. I'm here at church, and everybody thinks that I'm in the right place. But on the inside, Full of dead man's bones. We're dying on the inside, and we're not fooling anyone else but ourselves. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Lord, we love the assembling of your saints. We love to come and to worship you. We love to come and hear from your word. Give us that hunger for you. Lord, let us not be complacent in our walk. Lord, help us to be a light to those around us. Those that we walk with, that would be honoring to you. have to be careful. You have to guard against being complacent. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. I, I say those things in jest, but it's very easy to become like that guy sitting back in the chair on the inside. It's easy. That's where we're going to fall. Naturally, we will fall into a place of complacency if we don't continually fight against that. Continually are, are seeking and, and, and searching after the Lord and uh, trying to fulfill the purpose that he has for us. Surrendering to all that he has. Staying in the word. Seeking his face. Those things are not easy. But here's the key. Amber, if you don't remember anything else. I've had a lot of joy in my life. 
had success in many areas I'm not even talking about at work. But it was hard. So worth it. So worth it. Times I found myself in destruction when I allowed myself to be complacent. Took the easy way out. Did just enough to get by. Just enough. I encourage you to thrive. That's what I want for all of you is to thrive in your, in your life and in your walk with the Lord. The easiest place to backslide? Right here. Right here. No one ever knows. See? Give the appearance every single week. Very easy to do. You have to guard against that. Second woe here in, in this chapter. Woe to those, in verse 3, who put off the day of the Lord. I mentioned this before, too. But I'll remind you, every generation since Jesus ascended has thought he was going to return during their lifetime. Every single one. Even the men that were standing there. What did the angel say to him? When Jesus ascended, the angel said to him, Why stand ye here gazing? Why did they say that? Because he said he was going to return, yes? So they're like, well, he went up. <laughs> He's going to come back down. This is going to be sweet. I'm going to watch for it. So the angel said, Why stand ye here gazing? I can just imagine those guys looking around and like, What are you talking about? Why do you think? He's going to return. He told us he was going to. Every generation since that day has been waiting for his return. And he hasn't. So what has happened now, you know, when you're waiting so long for something, you start to think, well, this is even going to happen. Not happening in my lifetime. I remember, as a young kid, I remember Sister Cindy talking about this in my Sunday school class. When she was a teenager, she said, Lord, I desire for your returning, but just can I get married? You know what? Once I got married, Lord, I, I desire for you to come back, and I said the same exact thing. But it would be awesome if I could have some children. I just want to be able to accomplish all these things. That's not what he's talking about here. Here they're talking about, to those, woe to those that put off the day of the Lord, where they don't even give it any thought. Where they're saying, you know what? He's not even go he hasn't returned yet. He's not returning in my lifetime either. So I'm just going to live whatever way that I want to. And he clearly says, whoa. What do you say to a, a team of horses when you stop them, pull them back? Whoa. So Amos is saying, whoa, pull it back. Do you realize what it is you're saying? So the difference is with Sister Cindy's when she was a young teen and myself and those that have said that, maybe you, many of you have thought those same exact things, is if the Lord chose to return, we weren't going to be like, didn't work out, I didn't get married. Because that day will be so glorious, you're not going to care. But the, the difference here is they're putting that day off to another time, another generation. And what, in doing that, what are they doing? A lack of preparation. A lack of seriousness. A lack of sanctification in their lives. Let 
complacency. And in chapter 7, we see Amos here. The Lord gave him two visions of destruction of Israel. The first of locusts that came and devoured the final crop of the season. The final crop that they would have to carry him through the winter season. That final harvest. The locusts came and ate it all up. So with that, those people would have starved to death during that winter. That was his first vision. Second vision. A consuming fire came and destroyed everything in its path. These two visions, one was for their sustenance. The other was for their protection. They provisioned not only what they ate, but also they could sell to others. So their income, the other made everyone homeless. Their protection from the sun, from the weather, from the wind, rain. But watch what Amos does. So beautiful. They had an advocate. They had an advocate in Amos. And he pled to the Lord in both cases after each vision. Lord, forgive them. Stay your wrath. Do not pour out the destruction on these people, which, by the way, they deserve. Have mercy on them. He pleaded for his nation. One guy. An entire nation disobedient and complacent, putting off the day of the Lord. In, they lived in the very opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord. They were at ease in Zion. And one man came and said, Lord, I plead for them. And in both cases, the Lord relented and stayed his wrath. Didn't destroy him. They had an advocate probably they didn't even know about, nor did they think. We see here in chapter 8, judgment was coming because of Israel's disobedience. And the Lord declared there was a famine coming to the land, not of water or food, but hear this, a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. He didn't destroy them with any natural fire or locusts, but what he did take away was, or what he basically was brought to them, was a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. It does not say there was a famine for the speaking of the word of the Lord, but they could not hear. Their ears were not in tune. Just like the radio waves that are flowing through this room right now, none of you can hear them until we tune into the frequency in which they are sent. So the Lord is speaking to you even right now. Is your ear in tune to hear his voice? It does not say there was a famine for the speaking of the Lord because I'm angry with them. 
does not say that I, I hate these people, so I'm not going to speak to them. But it says there was a famine for the hearing because they had deaf ears. They'd allowed things to come in the way. They had yoked themselves to a, a someone else or whomever it was that they went a different direction. They became at ease in Zion. There was a, there were, they were putting off the day of the Lord. And because of these things, because of their actions, because of their complacency, because of their disobedience, there was a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. That's why I bring this warning to us today. My prayer is that we never fall into this same position, that we have a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord because he's always speaking, always. He's never stopped. But will we continue to hear from him because we're, our ears are in tune? Thank you, Lord, for the speaking to us. You desire to commune with us. So grateful. It says people will wander all over the land seeking, but will not find it. Wow. That's crazy. The final chapter here. The Lord lays out his pendant, his judgment, which is pending to disobedient Israel. And that they could not outrun the tentacles of his wrath. Just as determined, though, watch this, just as determined as he was to punish them, he was more so desired to restore them. Hmm. His anger lasts for a moment, but his mercies are new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of our God. You know, we set out paths at times we throw our rock of disobedience into that pond and those ripples, they're going to go out. We may suffer, suffer ramifications for our choices. But thank you, Lord, for your grace that we don't experience the full wrath of what we deserve in any situation. He desires to restore. He desired to restore, restore Israel. He desires to restore our nation. We have to be repentant. He cannot draw iniquity, sin, to his side, to his bosom. He can't take, if we are walking in a sinful way, he cannot draw us to his bosom. Many steps as we walk away, though. So beautiful picture. It only takes one to return. He's always waiting to restore. He's a God of restoration. Living proof, he's a God of restoration. As is in the days of Amos, so are they today. We'll answer for and have to deal with the ramifications of our sin. But the Lord longs to restore us and draw us to his side. preparing for this, as I mentioned, over a month and a half ago, didn't even think about the fact that we had the election coming up on Tuesday. And it just so happens that I was, the Lord gave me this to share with you today. And I thought about, you know, here we have Amos, this one man who stood in the gap for his nation. 
and we on Tuesday, our, our nation can be drastically impacted for many years to come. Not just the, the presidency, whatever your beliefs are there, I'm not here to stand on a political soapbox. But to me, more important than this four-year term is the lifetime appointments of these justices that are going to retire, their replacements. We pray for the Lord to have his way and, and to cause our nation to come to its knees and repent. Because the very reason why we came here to have religious freedom, we've taken that freedom that we've been granted, and our Constitution that is, has been written out and abused that to such a fashion, we've twisted it and perverted it to our own devices and our own agenda. saw a thing yesterday that was blatantly mocking evangelicals, as they call them, evangelical vote. And the only thing I thought through all that is, I really, I felt sorry for the man that I was hearing say all these things. Reminded me of the girl that I had at work one time, and, and she said right to my face, this whole Jesus stuff is garbage. I don't believe it said, my hope for you is that you'll be able to change your mind before it's too late, because one day you will see whether willfully or unwillfully you will see. I think some people say maybe in ignorance, but there are dangerous statements that are said of the Lord and and I fear for them. I, I pray for them. Because they really don't realize what all they're saying. Out of ignorance, they say these things. Because if they truly realize the majesty of the one they spoke, they too would bow a knee in reverence. Just as Amos interceded for his nation, we need to as well. I believe today we can touch the heart of God. And he will hear us. This nation has turned its back on the Lord and has spit in its face. We came to this country, this land, to be free. But with freedom comes responsibility. And with responsibility comes accountability. I tell that to my kids all the time. As a nation, we want our freedoms but we refuse to be held accountable. I would like us to come. Sister Sonia, if you could come and play just a moment. I'm not going to belabor this, but I do want to spend just a few moments here and ask the Lord to heal our land. We learned on Wednesday in Romans 13, I'd like you to turn there. I told Pastor, the timing of us studying that verse was perfect because it was the last Wednesday night Bible study that we had prior to the election. And I know it's exactly how the Lord orchestrated it because of the fact that even when we started the book of Romans, it wasn't 13 weeks ago that we started. There was at least on two occasions, if I can think of, maybe even more, that it took us multiple weeks to get through a chapter. So just so by circumstance, it happened to be that we studied chapter 13 
right before the election. And we have to be careful as Christians. I want to warn you about this. Because I have a feeling that if, if things don't go the way that we want or you want them to, I think we feel like, well, I didn't vote for that person. I have the right to complain and say, oh, we get what we deserve and do all these things. But I want to, I want to read something to you here. Verse 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and all the authorities that exist are, what is the word there? Appointed by whom? So whoever wins the election on Tuesday is appointed by God for his purposing. Whether that purposing is for our nation to come to his knees and so he might be able to fulfill his ultimate purposing, if that's what it is, that's what's going to happen. No matter what. Well, you throw your hands up, wow, well, whatever the Lord has is going to happen anyway, so I won't vote. No, no, that's not what that means. We are to do our part. But the Lord is going to appoint them. My point in saying that is this. We are not to speak ill of these men or woman, this man or woman, because right here, this is, a point, this is an authority over us, appointed by God. Whether or not we like them or agree with them or not. But I believe, as we see here in Amos, regardless of who is in office, I believe either one of them, they can have an experience with the Lord right there in that big white house. The Lord can meet them right where they are. And all of a sudden, all of their policies can change. They're the way they walk. This is the God that I serve. They can have an encounter with them and realize the severity and the importance of the position that they hold. So we are to pray for them, our authorities. And think about, parents, what it is that we do by undermining the authority of our president or our governor or whomever it is that you don't agree with right in front of your children, whether indirectly or directly, you we're teaching them that if I don't agree with them, it's okay for me to talk ill of them. So therefore, my teacher told me to do this. I don't really have, I don't agree with that, so I can talk about it with my friends. My principal has this rule. My parents are telling me to do a certain thing. I don't agree with you, so therefore I'm not going to do, and I'm going to talk ill of you all the time to my like-minded friends. That's what it does. It encourages them to undermine the very authority that God and the order that God has set. So be careful what we model to those around us. Our co-workers who will know that we are a light, if we can't possibly say anything positive, how are we being a light to them? How it is that you're telling me that I need to serve a God if you can't even possibly agree with our boss? So be careful of the behaviors that we model, regardless of the outcome. But just like Amos, I would like to, for us to come and just share, spend a few moments just advocating for our nation, for the Lord to heal our land, regardless of the outcome. This nation needs Jesus. More than anything, Lord, we need you. More than anything, we need you. So please come. Please come and spend a few moments and ask the Lord just to heal our land and have his way, his will be wrought this Tuesday and the days to come. Please come.
Thank you that we can come to you in our time of trouble, in our time of need. Lord, where else can we turn but to you? You have the word of life. You are life. You are love. We pray for our nation, O oh God. Your will be wrought. Have your way. Lord, we ask that you raise up men and women that would be a light for you. Cause that you to be high and lifted up, Lord, that all men would see you. We exalt your name, Lord, that in the house, this house and all others across this nation. Lord, that people be drawn to you. Lord, that they would see you and nothing else. Not drawn to a man, but to you. So grateful that we can come to you for that rent veil. You prepared a way when you were pierced and broken for us to be able to have communion with you, O oh God. Help us never to take that for granted. Lord, forgive us for the times we've become complacent and been at ease in your house. Lord, our desire is to walk in the fullness that all that you have for us. All that you have. Lord, heal our nation. Lord, bring us to repentance. Lord, that your wind of revival would blow across this nation. 
Lord, we see the only way that we'll receive peace in our hearts is with you. We thank you that we can come to you. You're not a God that's a distant or far off. Lord, you're near us, even within us, by your Holy Spirit. So grateful for that. Lord, this week that you would have your way. Whatever the authority that you choose to appoint, Lord, we say thank you in advance. We thank you, Lord, that we know that you're still moving in this nation and across the world. We're grateful that we can serve the one and true God. We, can, we choose to bow our knee today and confess you as Lord, willfully, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. One thing I do want to um, point out is next week is on Friday, a service is at 7, Saturday is at 10.30, and Sunday is at 10.30. Um, the following week, I don't think this is in the bulletin yet, is it, for Elise? But I imagine, I was looking back there today, by two weeks from now, we'll probably be falling enough that, so tentatively plan, Saturday, I don't have any idea what the date is, 19, thank you, Saturday the 19th, we'll meet here for leaf cleanup. That's always a good time for us to come together and, and be able to do that. So is that the same day as Michigan-Ohio State? Is it? Oh. We'll get here early. <laughs> anyway. Dismissed. Thank you. Be blessed.